0: Welcome to Why Not Me, The World Podcast, hosted by Tony Mantor. Broadcasting from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as our guests tell us their stories. Some will make you laugh, some will make you cry. Real life people who will inspire and show that you are not alone in this world. Hopefully, you gain more awareness, acceptance, and a better understanding for autism around the world. Hi, I'm Tony Mantor. Welcome to Why Not Me The World. Today's guest has an autistic son. He and his wife are helping their son with stem cell therapy, and others as well. So please welcome... Dr. Eric Weiss, and his wife, Christine. Welcome to the show.
1: How are you? Good to see you.
0: It's great to have you here. You've got so much great information to give. If you could tell us a little bit about your son and how you found out that he's autistic.
1: Marston is 28 right now. He was born in 1995. Back then, there wasn't an early diagnosis, a scale that they have right now.
2: Even a, a treatment plan. You know. So
1: I would say we diagnosed him, the two of us at like 12, 13 months, because we have an older son who was advanced. So I could tell that he wasn't making his marks. I could tell that he wasn't the same. I knew there was something wrong. So it was if he was first, I probably wouldn't have known, but he was second.
0: Well, that's understandable. Nineteen ninety-five, autism wasn't as prevalent as it is today. So, once you went through the process, you got him diagnosed, found out that he is autistic. How did that affect your family?
1: Well, it was devastating. It was devastating to both of us. You know, I have a special needs sister who um, it was an accident that she was uh, that happened when she was almost two. So, I watched my parents go to Boston Children's and our family go through that with my sister. So I'm I'm a mother of an, a special needs child and a sister. And I knew it was going to be devastating to the other siblings and devastating to us.
0: Sure. That makes sense completely. You know, the
2: one thing that I thought was was uh, difficult for me, I think just as a man, you try to fix things. You know, that's what we do. And when, when your kid gets a diagnosis of leukemia, so there's a playbook. You know, you meet with a pediatric oncologist, a pediatric radiation oncologist, and, and there is a plan. But when you get diagnosis of autism, there there was no plan. Well, you know, maybe speech therapy or, or look into it, do some reading. But in 1995, the internet was in its infancy. Google was just starting to come on board. So we did have to wander from Boston Children's to Miami Children's to Philadelphia Children's Hospital so. until we kind of developed our own plan. We made a, a list of what his strengths and his weaknesses were. Chris was like a- Research. Like right. an FBI investigator trying to find out, okay, who's the best at, with visual perception problems? Who's the best with auditory processing problems? And we, we patched together a, a group of experts and uh, came up with a plan, and it uh, it worked out uh, very well. So,
0: as he was growing older, some of the things that you was implementing to make different changes for him, what did you see? Did it help? And did you see any big changes in the development with everything that you had been doing?
1: I wouldn't say it was a big difference. I would say it was a gradual difference, because it's, it's just very slow, gradual uptake. You know, it wasn't, he woke up the next day and he could talk. It was a couple words. And then we worked on that. So it was difficult. And as a mother, you want to go to sleep and wake up and your your child be miraculously healed. Well, that's not how it is with autism. It's a long, long journey. It's the long play.
0: Yeah, it can definitely be a tough journey for sure.
2: You know, early on, probably knew that normal school they were just babysitting him. Then we just tried to say, how are we going to get our son to live independently? How are we going to get him to be able to interact with people? We hired college kids home from the summer to take them to the mall and show them how to order ice cream, how to go to a movie, how to leave a tip, how to go to a restaurant. We just thought about it as strengths, weaknesses, how do, we, how do we
0: improve it? That's a great way to look at it. Everyone has to look at all the options and see what is best for their child. Now, autism is a spectrum. Everyone acts and reacts to different things completely opposite from another. Did he have any issues with meltdowns while he was growing up?
1: No, he, he wasn't. He didn't have any behavioral problems. He, um, he's quiet. He's very quiet so he he never had any meltdowns or he was kind of in his own world more because in a spectrum for him he was the I want to pull him out through the window he was in his own world I knew he could understand what I was saying which which was really interesting like I I took these um circles and they were all different colors I cut them out of paper and they were like Too orange, too purple, too green. And I threw him on the floor and I gave him one of the circles and I said, match this purple circle. And he wasn't talking, maybe a few words with this other purple circle. And he would put it down and I pick it up and say, purple, say purple. And he would just look at me, he would just stare at me. So I knew it It was going in, but it wasn't coming up.
2: No, the, the expressive language was terrible. To the point, like you said, not having meltdown. One time he came back from, I want to say it was daycare or something he was in, and we took his shirt off, and he had a series of bite marks all down his back, and some kid had bit him like six times. Wow! But he had never cried or ran away. It was uh, like he didn't
1: understand. He didn't
2: right. He just he knew that he was being hurt, but he 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 couldn't put it all together to to either verbalize or hit the kid or or run away. It was a sad day in our lives when that happened.
0: Sure. That's the one thing that parents are always concerned about is the safety of their kids. So as he's grown older and learned more, how has his verbal skills gained? Is he communicating now the way that you hoped that he would? Yeah,
2: he's
1: He's
2: amazing. He's amazing.
1: He's amazing right now. And I talk about this in the book. Um, I'm a researcher. What are the new therapies? Because there's some snake oil salesmen out there. And so I, I usually will ask Eric to get me some research papers so I can read and see if this is something that's working. Oh, I was in Target. And this woman that I know came up to me and she said, oh, Chris. She knew I had an autistic child. And she said, um... My daughter in law, who had an autistic son, went to Panama for stem cells. And I said, Oh, really? And she said, Yeah, it was really good. In my brain, I was like, Panama? I'm not going to send my kid to Panama. My husband's in the medical field. I'm not going to go to a foreign country. Like in my head, I was doing this whole like bad, good, bad, good. And then I always have this theory, which is, probably silly, but to me, it works. I'm always like, okay, God, if it's something I really need to pay attention to, I need you to take a two by four and hit me over the head.
0: Okay, I get that. A little drastic, but I get it.
1: So I I thought about it and then I got home. Our tech guy from the office sent me this podcast on stem cells out of the blue. Like I literally walked in the door. I saw I had a message. I clicked on it. And it was a whole thing on Neil reared and, and stem cells. And I went, oh my God, well, if that isn't the two by four, I don't know what it is.
0: That's definitely a sign.
1: So then I took a deep dive and I just started researching.
0: Yeah, it's
2: very interesting. Well, first of all, people get confused about stem cells. There's embryonic stem cells, which you know kind of came up when Bush the Younger was the president. And they were taken from fetuses and people were all against them. Fetal stem cells are designed to make a baby. Not much has ever been done with fetal stem cells. They can cause cancers and things like this. But about halfway through the second trimester, the baby is really a formed person. All it does is, is grow. And so it doesn't have fetal stem cells anymore. It has adult stem cells. Adult stem cells are designed to heal the body. When she came to me and said, what about stem cells? I said, well, let me figure it out. And so I, I did a literature search and the paper that really came to the forefront was a paper at a, uh, from Duke. And I went to Duke and it turned out that I knew some of the people that wrote the paper. And I called them and I said, what's up with these stem cells and autism? And they said, you know, we're seeing some amazing stuff. Kids from not talking to talking, kids just, just completely changing their life. And I go, okay, can you sign my kid up? They said, no, we're pediatricians.
0: He's 22. Can't do it. So, what was your next step after that? So then
2: I called Panama, and I do believe Dr. Reardon's a real life doctor. He's, he's very well trained, U.S. trained, smart guy. He's over there just because of some of the the things
0: we can't do here with the F,
2: restrictions from the FDA. And he seems, you know, some great stuff. But he doesn't do kids below above 18.
0: That seems to be an issue not with just stem cells, but with everything here in the U.S. That once a kid hits 18, he ages out of the system. What was your next step?
2: So I started looking into it. To make a long story short, they did autopsy studies on kids with with autism, and these kids had brain inflammation. So for the first time, we said, okay, we found something different about the autistic brains. They have brain; they have inflammation in these certain areas. And the follow-up was that they took 25 kids who were living and did spinal taps on them, and they had all these neuroinflammatory mediators in their spinal fluid, which is what you would expect if you had inflammation in the brain. At the same time this was happening, we know people that suffer traumatic brain injury get inflammation. And so the TBI people were looking for the magic bullet on how to turn off brain inflammation. And was it steroids? No. Was it Motrin? No. What they found out was there was a specific cell in umbilical cord blood, which can turn off brain inflammation.
0: So what happened from there with the studies?
2: The guys from Duke said, the TBI guys just said this mesenchymal stem cell has the ability to turn off brain inflammation. Let's try it.
0: So what happened next?
2: They tried it and they tried it in 2019 and 60% of the population got significantly better.
0: Wow, that's big numbers. I mean,
2: crazy stuff like MRIs before and after showing more connections, showing less inflammation. Their brain waves got more normal. Unfortunately, that was published in twenty nineteen, followed by the pandemic. And so there's some more studies that um that Duke is working on that should come out shortly. But that's what kicked it off. That that was the that there is very good solid physiologic data that um the whole cord blood should help kids with autism.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. My next question is where's the injection? I have friends of mine that have use stem cell therapy for Parkinson's, and it's helped a little bit. I have friends of mine that have had stem cells done for their knee, and of course the injection goes in the knee and starts rebuilding the knee. I've had another friend of mine that actually had stem cell therapy done for his hairline, and it started growing hair. So for autistic people, how would that procedure be done?
2: Well, these these cells are great because they're kind of like uh, heat-seeking missiles. Uh, They seek out inflammation. So you just get it's a simple IV. You start an IV, you infuse them, and by their nature, they kind of get hung up in the liver, the lung, and the spleen. But starting at about the the eighth or ninth day, they start migrating to the brain and they have the ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. And they go in and not only turn off inflammation, but they turn on restoration.
1: And it's and it's the umbilical cord. So this is medical waste. When you when you have a baby. They usually throw the umbilical cord away for medical waste. So they save the umbilical cord. They draw out the blood from the umbilical cord. Of course, it goes off and gets tested for a bunch of different diseases because we want them to be pure when you give it to someone else.
0: Sure. So you tried this on your son, and what was the results from this?
1: It was a game changer for our son.
0: So what changes did you notice? Game converses.
1: Right. He, had he started
2: asking questions.
0: He picked up he a had, cell phone and started calling his cousins.
1: Right. He had stem cells, and it doesn't happen this quickly all the time.
0: So how long did this process take?
1: He got his stem cells, and he slept like 14 hours. And I was a wreck because I thought this could be bad. It could be good. We were at a hotel, and he, and he woke up. We went downstairs, and he said, where did you and dad No, where did you meet? Where did you and dad meet? I started getting nervous, and I thought, remember, we met in the lobby. And he goes, no, 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 Mom. And this is a kid who talked for function. Where are we going? Never, what are we doing tomorrow? We What's the bathroom? Time? Yeah. You know, never personal conversation about anything. And he said, no, Mom. When was the first time you and Dad met? Tell me about that. And I mean, it was mind blowing. Like I just started, I said, your brothers have never asked me that. (laughs) I just started crying and told him the story and we're sitting at breakfast and he's poured pancakes on his
2: syrup on his
1: syrup on his pancakes for his whole life, gluten-free pancakes. And he looked at the pancake thing and he said, Mom, where does syrup come from? Is it a recipe? I never heard him say the word. Or do they make it like this? Does it come from nature like this? And I was like, oh my God. I said, well, I'm from New England, told how we would go and put the pail on the tree. And it was just, it was like someone took a veil and pulled it up. And he saw the world in a
0: different light. Wow, that's amazing. So what was the time frame? From the very first injection to the time that you saw the big change?
2: It was, we so saw was some was, stuff overnight, but then he consistently. We
1: consistent, like he that got stuff better. was right, right away. And then as he went on, it was more evident that he, he had critical thinking that he never had before. Like he would weigh decisions out. And I never he got a
2: driver's license.
1: Right. He got a driver's license. He, he drives a car right now. Like he's been driving a car since he was 22. I mean, he lives on his own right now. And he has a job. I mean, these are things that we never thought would ever happen to him. And he continually makes progress. But we've given him stem cells twice a year. We've been giving him some stem cells.
2: These the cells are are unique in the fact that you would think that they would set up, everybody thinks, oh, if I give a stem cell, it'll go to its brain, it'll make a new brain cell, and that's why it gets better. But that's not how these stem cells work. As you know, this is, uh, this is a product from somebody else. And so it, it, it is a transplant, but you're not getting immunosuppressed. So it has a definite lifespan. So if you look at the original Duke study, these kids got a single dose and they continued to get better for six months. And at six months, they plateaued, but they never went back down. And the gains you saw in six months were equivalent to what you usually see in two years with intensive therapy. So it was about a 4X jump in in that time. And so this is all new. There's never been a study where they've given somebody else stem cells, a second or a third dose, to see what happens. We've done that with our son to make a a long story short, we were looking for someplace to get it done. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking blanking on his name. Thomas Thomas Loeb, former head of pediatric surgery for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. He, He was on faculty at University of Illinois, Chicago, and they had a study going on. And so Marston went up there and he showed me how to do it. So I did it for my son and we saw great, great progress. And then Chris said, It's hard to do this. There's just not enough people doing
1: this. Right. And I said, at the end of your life, are you going to be happy? Are you going to be okay with the fact that you've been given this opportunity to help other people, especially moms like me and dads like you? And you didn't take it up. You didn't say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to help other people because I know I can do this. I said, why don't we just? cancel all of our surgeries on Fridays, and let's see if we can do this to help other people.
0: I think that's a great idea. Helping is always good.
1: I don't want to stand in front of God and go, you gave me this great thing and you helped my son, but why didn't you help anybody else?
0: Sure, that makes sense, and I really appreciate that you think that way.
2: No, and and to be honest, I can relate to other parents because I am a parent. Sure. And as I tell people, this isn't my day job. Right. I don't have to make a lot of money doing this. I just have to not lose money. I had higher PA and do, do some other stuff, get some equipment and things like that.
0: Sure. Are there any studies that show the results of what this does?
2: The Duke study, only 60% of the kids benefited. There are some studies that are up to 70% of kids. But like you said, it's a spectrum disorder. Some people have chromosomal abnormality, Some people have other stuff. But if it looks like it's inflammation, It it can really treat that.
0: I know some would like to have a higher rate of success, but 60 to 70% is not bad considering this is fairly new. Are there any studies that have been done that help support this more?
2: There's actually uh, an experimental animal model of autism where they induce inflammation in these rats and the rats stop communicating. They start repetitive behavior. They show antisocial behavior. And when they get umbilical cord blood, human umbilical cord blood, it actually reverses it. And so the big question now that's facing kind of the researchers is we know it's safe because um, umbilical cord blood is not new to medicine. It's been given for 60 years.
1: For what?
2: For leukemias and lymphomas and things like that. But it's new to autism. There's now about 80 different diseases where umbilical cord blood is the primary treatment. So we know it's safe. And so now we're just trying to figure out dosage administration, you know, things like that, and who's a good candidate, who's not a good candidate. But uh, it's it's the newest thing, and hopefully will really help a lot of kids. That's
0: a great thing that you just mentioned. Who's a good candidate? What goes into determining who makes a good candidate and who doesn't?
2: I I ask questions. Well, if they have a chromosomal abnormality, I tend to tell them that. You know, I never like to. To say I'm not gonna do it because we know it's safe, we know it has the potential to help. But if you look at all the studies that are done, they usually exclude chromosomal abnormalities, they exclude you know some other things.
0: I'm sure a lot has to go into it before you actually decide that it's the best thing for them.
2: Duke did a study where the vast majority of kids of their study did not benefit, but when they separated out kids with an IQ of below 60, those were the people that did respond. Above, or excuse me, I say 60, 70. So people above an IQ of 70, which an IQ of 70 is still pretty profoundly disabled, those as a group benefited. So if they're very profoundly intellectually disabled, uh, I would tell them up front that they they may be a non-responder.
0: That's actually pretty interesting facts. But
1: my thing with that was, I think it, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I think in things of common sense, I went, like, what about those children who are below? Maybe they need more because they're more profound. You're giving the same dosage that a kid above 70 gets. Maybe do- there's a problem with dosage, and we don't really know that yet.
2: Right, it because may be higher doses, multiple doses,
1: because it's in it's such it's it's in its infancy, and if that was my child, I would be thinking, well, yeah, maybe he he needs more if it's safe.
0: I think everything that you say makes sense. There's a couple of things I think that needs to be addressed. One is I've had a couple of friends of mine, they've done stem cell therapy. They've been very fortunate and it worked very well for them. The thing that they did tell me that is sad, but it's the truth, is that it's very expensive. And of course, insurance doesn't cover it yet.
2: I, I think this will, though, I, I, within, I would say, five to 10 years when all the research comes in. Because right now there's nothing else to treat it. But you're right. I would say that not everybody can afford it, but but there's people who are paying more for therapies and things like that. I think an average number just for a kid I treat is about uh, $8,400, which is a lot of money and I get it, but when I took my kid to Chicago, it was over $20,000.
0: Yeah, I hope you're right, because unfortunately anything in the health-related field is very expensive.
2: I'm trying to, like I said, I've tried to offer it the most cost effective way that that I know how. The problem is a mother gives birth, you've got forty-eight hours to get the umbilical cord and the umbilical cord blood to the lab, where it has to be processed and then frozen. And then you wait for the genetic profile of the mother. The baby and all the blood work, HIV, uh, all the hepatitis, cytomegalovirus, West Nile, Zinca, everything that can be transmitted through blood gets tested. And that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. So then all of a sudden, the data comes in. The mom could have anything from a venereal disease to tattoo. Yeah, even tattoos get ruled out. But uh, something called cytomegalovirus, which is kind of common. And then that has to be thrown away. Or even hepatitis, which is somewhat common too. So, so
1: what's the stats? So, like
2: only one about out of- one out of ten to two out of ten are good to go. But they've invested all their money in ten out of ten, and then have to get rid of eight because of pre-existing illness, maybe some type of genetic abnormality that runs in the family line, things that you don't know about.
0: Sure, that makes sense. So, so that's
1: why worth. it's so costly. Comes on ice, minus eighty.
2: Yeah, these are living cells going
0: into you. Yeah, that's understandable because anything that's on the front end of medicine is always more expensive. And then as it becomes more prevalent, cost goes down, insurances will get in there and help out. So I I get it. So let's change gears here a little bit. Earlier on in this conversation you mentioned a book. So did you write a book? If you would tell us a little bit about that. Actually I like
2: to say she wrote a book about it. Uh, I I wrote I wrote a section on stem cells. Three chapters. Three chapters on stem cells but our son's name is Marston. It's called Educating Marston. And it's a wonderful story. I'll I'll plug this. I think it's a great book, but it summarizes her drive to make our child what he is today. And is he perfect? No, he's not perfect, but he can live on his own. He can drive a car. He has a, a job that people love him at. He gets up every day and goes to work and He's never been happier. And she just summer up her life in the book, things that worked, things that didn't.
1: Moms who have autistic children, we don't have a lot of time. So in the back of the book, I just have a reference chapter on everything. So you can go to the back and look up auditory processing. I would have you know, to modest and the who I went to, the website, the phone number, how it worked, blah, blah, blah.
0: That sounds like really great information.
1: For me, that's what I would have done. I didn't have time to read. And I get that, but you want the information, it's there. And then the three chapters on stem cells, we don't really advertise that we don't that we do stem cells. It's a little group that of moms that kind of find you, but we like them to read just the three chapters on stem cells, just so they have a basic knowledge of what's going on.
0: Sure. That makes sense. There's a lot of information to digest, especially when it's about your own sons or daughters. It's
2: not magic, but it, it, it lays out, or I tried to lay out the biologic basis. What do these cells do? What do kids with autism have? And how should they interact to make your kid better? And I think that when people read it, it makes sense that it should help. And it looks like it does. Now there's probably 15 to 20 studies that have all been very positive on outcome. And they, like I said, and they're all running 60, 70% of responders. Actually, we went to Duke and and we sat down with them. They haven't even looked at their non-responders yet. They're still trying to figure out the magic dose and things like that.
0: Well, that shows there's just a lot of research to be done, but that's really good stuff.
1: It's super cool. We you know, we sat down with them at the, the name of her department is Cellular Cures. You would have never thought five years ago or 10 years ago there would be a department called Cellular Cures.
0: Well, science is growing in leaps and bounds, and that's a very good thing.
2: Whole core blood will be the biggest thing. In medicine, since antibiotics I'm shown to grow new knee cartilage, it's, it helps back, hair, all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, and it's definitely something that's uh, here to stay. And I think it's a good thing
1: for me personally. I feel like I'm at the top of this journey because when Marston was diagnosed, it was probably one in ten thousand, and now it's one in thirty, one in twenty-five. And I just said, you know what, I'm the beginning of this. And I, I have done this journey. And I feel like not everything works for everybody, but I want to share this. It's such a struggle. And I wanted to write this book to help people.
0: Well, personally, I think that's a great thing to do. And I also think that a lot of people are going to benefit from the things that you've gone through and what you're sharing with your book.
1: Even now, it's hard because you look at your child and you dream about what they're going to be, who they're going to marry, what their life's going to be, but it's not going to be that. But I want people to have hope that they can be on their own.
0: Sure. And hope is a great thing.
1: These are things that can help them on their journey. And,
2: and they can have a very meaningful life. Just right, like your love. You right. know?
0: Absolutely. I've had the pleasure of meeting several autistic people that are out there living great lives, and they deserve it. Now, unfortunately, I've met several people that will never be able to be on their own, and they're always going to need some sort of care. So there's such a wide spectrum, but I think it's great that you are out there trying to help people, give them directions, where to go, because I think the biggest thing facing autism is people just do not understand it.
1: And, you know, we all want a purpose. And I think that Marston feels like he has a purpose when he goes to work, just like anybody else. You know, we've seen kids that come here who are nine years old, not potty trained, not speaking, get one dose of stem cells, and the mom will call and go, they got potty trained in a week, and they're starting to interact with their child with their siblings, siblings and they're talking i mean that is miraculous to me that's therapy of like five years it, it, it's it's amazing
2: wow yeah it's one more arrow in the quiver but it might be a difference because the more normal the brain gets the more the therapy will help you can't lift 200 pounds until you can lift 100
0: pounds right I think it's great. I think what you're doing is, is awesome. And hopefully the people that listen to this podcast will gather some knowledge and find a way to help a lot of people. The basic thing is just helping as many as, as we can.
2: Exactly. Right. You know, it's life is short and, and we belong to a club we don't want to belong to. Parents have an autistic child.
1: Now that we're in it, we're like, we are like the members that are ready to like help. Right, you know? right. We we're figure that it.
2: we have some knowledge because a lot of these kids are six, seven, eight, and 10, and our kid's 28 now. Sure. And so we, we lived it before some of these parents were even born. So we, we have, uh, hopefully we can help with that playbook like we talked about, because there is no playbook.
0: Exactly. So if you could tell us a little bit about your website and how people can find you there.
1: Educating Marston, and that's the name of the book. It's on Amazon, you know, everything.
0: That's great. I hope that a lot of people will go to it and see that you've got some valuable information in that. Now, speaking about valuable information, is there any other information that you'd like to give out that you think just might help someone?
2: It's it's run through Florida State Medical School, uh, Florida State University Medical School. Dr. Weathersby is the lead psychologist who's a, a pioneer in early intervention and early diagnosis. I would highly recommend that. Anybody who's who has a kid who's three or four or two, or you just go, something's not right. Just go on it and they'll tell you to, to take some videos and interact with them and send it to them. And it's a way to have seven or eight or nine experts look at the video, look at it, give you their thoughts and some ways to help your child.
0: That's just such great information. This is a conversation that I will remember for a very long time. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the information with us.
1: Thank you from our community. Uh Have a great day.
0: You too. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our show today. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. If you know anyone that would like to tell us their story, send them to tonymantor.com. Contact, then they can give us their information so one day they may be a guest on our show. One more thing we ask, tell everyone, everywhere, about Why Not Me, the world. The conversations we're having and the inspiration our guests give to everyone, everywhere, that you are not alone in this world.